Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. It's Red River Week as we continue our Texas and Oklahoma coverage. And a lot of transfers are going to have a big impact on this game. So I had to bring my resident transfer portal expert, Mike Hughesman, in today on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, which is brought to you by Bet Online, because Bet Online, where the game starts. Mike, glad to have you back on. It's been some crazy college football through five weeks. Has been. Yeah, it's um, I think we're in a place where the teams we're seeing at the top of the standings are probably the ones we expected to be there, though not all of them have been as impressive as we might have thought. And then in a game like this, we probably didn't expect to have two, three and two teams coming into the game. But I, I think both of these teams are, you know, there are things they can get better at, but I feel like they also might be trending in opposite directions. I think uh, we know more about the Longhorns going into this game than we do about the Sooners in their long term. But as usual, fun to be here. It's been a heck of a season so far. Yes, sir. I think it's just the first time since 1998 that both teams are coming in unranked. So uh, definitely unfamiliar territory there. Right. We're going to start with uh, one transfer who I'm hoping has a huge impact on this game, and that's Quinn Ewers. Uh, he's missed uh, three straight games as a starter and then missed the majority of the Alabama game after lighting it up uh, in the first yeah. quarter and all signs point to him uh, returning uh, this Saturday against the Oklahoma Sooners in the Red River shootout. Uh, he hasn't shown us a lot, but most Texas fans feel like they saw enough <laughs> to label Quinn Ewers one of the best quarterbacks to ever put on uh, the burnt orange and white. So, as the transfer portal expert, Mike, what have you seen uh, from Quinn Ewers, albeit in limited duty thus far? So he's one of those high profile guys. And the game where we saw him look good was a national game. Everybody has seen what I saw in terms of Ewers. But when we you know, were together back a few months ago, I had very high hopes for him and thought that he would be know a great addition for them one of the top qbs in the portal and i stand by that if he is healthy and is not rushed back i expect him to have a lot of success and i don't think texas would be three and two if he was still healthy um, I, I don't think they would have dropped two games um but that's just the way it is and i hope for his sake that he is not being rushed back. I, I And I don't think Sark would do that. I, I think they will make sure he's healthy. Um, Card is a capable backup. But um, I think for the long-term success of both the team and him, um, if he's healthy and ready to go, we'll see good things out of him. Yeah, absolutely. So just talk about it. Like I said, it, it's, it wasn't much. You know, it was one quarter uh, against Alabama. And then uh, I would say, what, a little more than, than two quarters uh, against ULM. Yeah. But... You know, it was his first action since 2020. You know, there there could have been some rest there. You know, we didn't really know what to expect. We knew what we Absolutely. saw in high school, but we didn't know what to expect on the college level. So, albeit maybe, you know, three, four quarters of football, what did you see early on in the season from Quinn Ewers on the field? That the arm is still there. You know, he has a very non-traditional way of throwing an arm angle, but it's like, you know, he gets, you know, the elbow and wrist are what he's using and it seems like such an awkward motion but then the ball just goes like a slingshot right to where he wants it to go i mean the the natural arm talent 
is something you don't see very often in guys. I mean, there are not many guys playing on Sunday who have the natural arm talent that he does. It's um, really special and something that hopefully he can build the rest of his game around and have a great career that will last many more years, both in college and in the NFL. And I definitely think that will happen just because the natural talent is there. Everything we hear, you know, points to him being a hard worker, good at his position, um, smart. And I think the tools all are there for him to have a lot of success. I absolutely agree. Uh, This will never be more relevant than right now. So I'm not speaking this in in existence, but we got the transfer portal expert on the show. So we have to uh, at least talk about it. Hudson Card has filled in very nicely for Quinn Ewers, but we know that this will be Quinn Ewers job as soon as he's healthy enough to play again. And Sark said that uh, earlier when he chose Quinn Ewers to be the starter, he felt as though, you know, he could run more of the offense uh, efficiently than Hudson Card could. So if Hudson Card has started his last game for the Texas Longhorns, based on what he's put on tape, how sought after do you think he will be in the transfer portal if he decides to go that route? Um, I think his best avenue will be hitting it right away. I think if he enters the portal shortly after the season, early in the next semester, he will have his pick of most open jobs where they are actively looking for a quarterback. I think one spot that pops into my head right away would be staying in state at the University of Houston. I think that would be a pretty good fit for him. Um, He can do a lot of the things Holgerson will want a QB to do, and I think that would make a lot of sense. Certainly there will be others. So he, he will have no shortage of suitors in the portal. And and just talk about it in the three games that he started and then the last three quarters he's played uh, against Alabama. I feel like I've seen improvement from him, especially uh, from last year. What have you seen from Hudson Card on the field? Um, we can see good things. He, he seems very capable. He's not the best at anything. But he's a fairly well-rounded player as well. There aren't a lot of gaps either in his game for the college level. He runs the ball all right. He seems to be very tough, which is a good trait to have in a guy on the field. He seems to have that command of the huddle, which you're going to want. And throwing-wise, there's something there to be desired, but it's not like he is atrocious. We see a lot worse guys starting every week than him. We also, I feel like in looking at him, we know why Quinn Ewers was named the starter as well, though. There is a definite difference in arm strength, arm talent, when you compare the two of them side by side. And that's no disrespect to, to Hudson Card. Quinn Ewers is, no. is just elite, right? The, the opposing mm-hmm. quarterback – uh, that they should be facing off against is Dylan Gabriel, although he did uh, get hit really hard. That was a dirty hit in the TCU game, and, and I'm hoping he's okay. Uh, but just talk about I, I would not bet on, I would not bet on him starting this week if I had to put money on it right now. Okay, this is also being recorded on Monday. Um, yep. Y'all probably hear this on Wednesday, so by the time you hear this, uh, things may have changed. So let's talk about Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Lebby and what you've seen from them thus far. And then their backup is a transfer as well. I'm not sure how much you know about him, but if you can, I, please talk about him. 
so uh, Davis Bevel is the backup. He was at Pitt last year backing up Kenny Pickett. Um, and he is, I actually think Bevel probably gets to start again, as Jonathan said, we're recording this on a Monday. Um, Dylan Gabriel has looked decent. Their offense, the Sooners, has not been the problem. Their defense is what's really been lacking on that team. But Dylan Gabriel is doing what we saw him do before he was at Oklahoma, you know, when he was at UCF. He moves out of the pocket well. He throws the ball. The arm strength is there. His accuracy has been awful. He has been overthrowing a lot of guys to the point where it's become kind of a trope on, on Twitter, people making fun of him, overshooting guys. But the arm strength is there. The accuracy's not been great. Um, he's running the ball. All right, he's like you said, he he took the bad hit on that run, which was absolute penalty, you know, by all definitions. It was a late hit. He slid pretty late, you know, it was, for the defender, it was absolutely a penalty. But I also, you know, I don't know what else he could have done to avoid it. Too. It, it was a tough spot for him, but absolute penalty. Um, and in terms of Jeff Levy, I thought at the time they made a home run hire for him. He'd done a really good job with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss last year as the old coordinator. And the natural progression for him seemed to move to a school where the head coach is a defensive guy and you will have complete control of that offense. And I thought through the first five games, they might run the ball a little more than they have. You know, they, they've ran and through it, but I thought they might be a little more run heavy through the first bit of the season. But especially if Gabriel's out, they might have to go back to that. But again, I, I think Levy was a good hire and he's a guy who I think the next few off seasons, we will hear his name mentioned for head coach openings until he finally gets one, which is definitely in the cards for him. Yeah, Oklahoma's definitely taken a step back. It's hard to replace great players and definitely hard to replace uh, great coaches. A quick word from Nissan, and then we're going to talk about each team's transfer hall and how Brent Venables has looked at Oklahoma thus far. Our partners at Nissan have worked with Locked On to create a new segment across the network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Texas game or throughout the history of all our alma mater. In this week's moment from the Texas game, the thrilling moment, I have to talk about Hudson Card scrambling out to the left, throwing the yellow ball, the, the effort Xavier Worthy down there somewhere ball that should have been picked off by West Virginia, but the football gods were with Hudson Card on Saturday, and that's why he completed a touchdown pass to Xavier Worthy, who kept his eyes on the ball, excellent concentration, and brought it in for six. That was my thrilling moment. Brought to you by Nissan from the Texas-West Virginia game on Saturday. And this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, Mike. So we're back talking about Oklahoma and Texas in the Red River shootout. And since we just talked about Jeff Libby and Dylan Gabriel, I'm going to go ahead and ask you through five games, uh, Oklahoma is three and two. They started off. zero and two in conference play in the Brent Venables era. Um, you talk about when you bring in a coordinator at the least, they should be able 
to dominate on their side of the ball. And the Oklahoma defense has done anything but that uh, being down in the hundreds and rush defense and total defense. So what have you seen from Brent Venables thus far through five games? He's looked poor. I mean, by, I think, any expectations metrics, the Sooners thought they would be better than three and two. And I was also one of the naysayers when they hired him. I was not a huge fan. Um, that's not to say he didn't have merit. He was a fine coordinator for a long period of time. But I was a little skeptical of that. I felt like they could have gotten a more proven guy or maybe a hotter name. That's not to say either of those things are requirements and you can't have success going the path he did. But I, I was a little hesitant to you know embrace what they did. And I think part of that isn't on Venables. It's that I got really turned off on the Sooner fans during that hiring process because, you know, so many of them were thumping their chest saying we're better off without Lincoln Riley. You know, we're better that he's gone. Good riddance. Well, Crazy. in my head, I'm thinking, well, Crazy. good luck. Um, yeah, you're, you're losing Crazy. one of the best. Yeah, you're losing one of the best X's and O's game planners in the country. A guy who could find a way to break down about any defense. And you're bringing in an unproven guy who hasn't led a team before. And the success he's had, it wasn't in building a team. It was in having a roster on defense full of future NFL players. So, again, none, none of that's on Venables. Why I got a little turned off on that hire. It might have been just the odd thought from some of the sooner faithful that we're better off than we were with Riley. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, through five games, uh, I mean, you have to say starting off 0 two in conference play, I'll use your word is poor, uh, especially yeah. I could see if uh, Jeff Levy couldn't get the offense together and the defense was holding people to 14 points a game, then you could give Brent Venables a little more credit, but they've just looked um, incompetent yeah, at times yeah. for lack of a better word on the, on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. And hopefully uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who's one of the best, at taking advantage of that does that on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. All right, I got the transfer portal expert on the show, Mike Huseman. He knows all things transfer portal. If you heard him on the episode in June, you know that. So I'm going to ask you to grade each team's transfer hall through five weeks of the season. So are you it's probably asking, incomplete for either team, really? Because I, you know, a Jai Hall hasn't played much. Jaleel Billingsley has been suspended. But, I mean, players for Texas have, you know, shown up like Ryan Watts, Diamante Tucker-Dorsey. They've gotten some playing time. Quinn Ewers a little bit. Not sure too much about the Oklahoma side outside of Dylan Gabriel. But there are a few transfers making some impacts on, yeah. on, on both teams. Yeah, I, I think um, – are, are you asking me how I would have graded their transfer class or how their transfers have played on the field so far? Because there's they, two very different answers to that question. Yeah, how, how have they played on the field so far? Okay, so. And what I impact each team has gotten from their transfer portal, maybe? Maybe that's a better question. So, I think out of the two teams, Texas has been a better team. But I think Oklahoma's transfers have played better so far. But that's also because Quinn Ewers hasn't played much. His sample size is very small. Um, and... 
Gabriel's played a lot more. Both of their offenses have put up a decent amount of points. Um, for Oklahoma, um, the, the flip, uh, let me reverse a little bit. Grading the transfers and their net gain from the portal, Texas's was fantastic, and Oklahoma's would have been a net loss because you lost a Heisman Trophy candidate QB and a four-star wide receiver who's a stud, both, you know, who followed Lincoln. But th- they replaced him. You know, they got some good guys coming in. But so far, you know, Gabriel has – he's done okay. I, I would say he's a solid C so far. He, he's overthrown a lot of guys, like I said, his arm accuracy hasn't been great. They've done okay on offense. Um, McCade Matower, an O-lineman at Oklahoma who transferred from Cal, has been solid. He started for him. Trey Morrison, a D-back they brought in from North Carolina, is another guy who's getting in the mix, doing some good things. Um, and then for Texas, you know, you said Diamante Tucker Dorsey, who's a guy I distinctly remember us talking about in the summer. I wasn't sure how they were going to use him and where they were going to fit him in. They've done a better job of that than I thought they would. I think they did find a place for him. And his tackle numbers aren't great so far, but he's he's doing okay. I, I want to say he has six or seven tackles on the season, which, you know, he for a new guy learning a new system, that he's doing okay. Um, I think the big one that hurt Texas is Nayer going down so early with a season-ending injury. That was a big loss for them and terrible for him too. I mean, he he was a guy we looked to have a big year and really set himself up for NFL success. And that was that was really a as much of a blow for him as the team. You know, that, that was too bad. You don't you don't wish that on anybody. Yeah. So I think um a long way around that, I would say, you know, if we're grading Texas's transfers so far, how they've played, probably a C minus. But really, like you said, it's still an incomplete. It really is. Um Oklahoma's B minus, maybe C plus. They're doing a little better. But again, um, neither team's transfers have performed great so far. Maybe we were expecting too much out of them and doing that. But I, I think the big caveat there is our, our grade on Quinn Ewers, especially, is still an incomplete. And come end of the season, a large component of Texas's transfer grade is going to be on how Ewers comes back and does. Yeah, and then like we said, Jalil Billingsley has yet to play. You have yeah. to expect uh, that a Jai Hall's uh, role will expand. Uh, Ryan Watts yeah. has been a starter. Uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey has been a rotational piece. So uh, right now it's a C minus, but I'll bring Mike back on at the end of the season so he can give us yeah. an A uh, in terms um, of our transfers. I, I did have another question. Um, what Tariq Milton has, I think, only one catch. What has been the case there? Yeah, so it's been really surprising um, as far as we thought that coming into the season, we had so much talent at wide receiver that we would rotate a lot and you would see a lot of them. Um, And that just hasn't been the case even after Isaiah Nayar went down and Xavier Worthy went down in the second half of Texas Tech. That's really when you you started to see Tariq Milton uh, get some more playing time. So uh, I was surprised. I I thought there were going to be a lot of pass catchers on this offense getting opportunities. And so far, it's really been – uh, a heavy dose of Xavier Worthy, Jordan Winnington, and at times Casey Kane. So yeah. uh, a and lot of Texas fans are surprised by the lack of rotation at receiver. And Jatavion Sanders has had a heck of a season so far, too. He's playing very well. 
Yeah, yes, yeah, one of the best tight ends in the country. Absolutely. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah, a superstar that can do it in the blocking game and the receiving yeah. game. All right, a quick word from Bet Online, and then Mike is going to tell you his honest thoughts on the Longhorns through five games, and then how he sees the Red River shootout panning out on Saturday. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Mike, it's been a. A crazy season for the Longhorns already. Like you said, they've dealt with a, a bevy of injuries. And this is a team that sits at three and two. A lot of people still think that uh, they should be one of the teams in the Big 12 championship game. But up until this point, this Texas team has not won back-to-back games. It's been win-loss, win-loss, and then win against West Virginia. So what is your honest assessment of the Texas Longhorns through the first five games of the season? They are... Not just, you know, I'm not just saying this because we're on, you know, locked on Longhorns. They are one of the teams at this point in the season through five games who I think we haven't seen the full article yet. It's tough to base the rest of the season on what we've seen out of them. Um, I think we'll know more this week, um, certainly after Oklahoma. Um, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, I, I think we'll know what kind of team they have in the next three weeks. Um, I, I always hate to say, you know, a team is better than their three and two, because I firmly believe you are what your record says you are, but they might be one of those teams that could be better than the three and two once they have their full arsenal healthy. Obviously, injuries are part of the game. We all know that, but with a healthy Quinn Ewers, they're probably not three and two. Um, they have four or five wins. I, I think if he stays healthy, I don't, you know, tough to speculate on which of those two, but I would guess at least one, you know, you wouldn't have expected them to go to overtime against a average Texas Tech team if Ewers was playing the whole game. You, you know, they put up points, but you'd expect a little more out of them if that were the case. Um, and they beat West Virginia, who right now is probably the worst team in the Big 12. Sad to say Neil Brown is one of the, you know, coaching hot seat is another one of the things I like to dabble into. And he's certainly on one of the hottest in the country right now. But they look good against Bama. They did what we expected them to against ULM. And UTSA was an interesting game because UTSA is a pretty solid team who runs the ball really well and is really tough up front. They kept it close for a half, but when UT had to make plays, they certainly did. And they ran away with that game in the second half. So I, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of people still expect them to make it to the conference title game. They certainly could. But the loser of this week is probably out of that. I don't think um, the team that loses this game 
will still reasonably be able to make it to the conference title game. And losing that first conference game definitely put UT behind the eight ball. I think it's still possible. Um, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on either of these two teams to make the conference title game. But that's not to say it can't happen. And when they get their full squad back, they're going to be the most talented team in the games they play. But that that first game matters. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I think right now it's tough, you know, TCU, Kansas, you know, they're both undefeated. But if I had to bet right now, I, I might bet on a repeat of the game we saw last week between Oklahoma State and Baylor for the conference title game again. It's tough not to say. Uh, but provided UT takes care of business this week, um, there is a decent chance we see that number two spot decided the last game of the year when Texas plays Baylor. That game could be for who goes to the conference title game. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. You teased earlier in the show that these two teams may be, might be headed in, in opposite directions. I think yeah. I know uh, what you meant by that, but I'm about to find out when I ask you how you think this game plays out on Saturday, Texas, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. Who wins this game and why? Hook him. Hook him for my, for my audio listeners. He just threw the yep. horns up. Yep. Texas is favored by six and a half. I like him to cover that. Um, like I said, I'm oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know, this guy. Is, you know, this has been a one possession game for a decade. So you're, you're, you're saying they're going to cover six and a half. I mean, I mean, that's tough. That's yeah. a touchdown, especially. Yeah. Um, I'm also basing that on, I believe Davis Bevel will be the starting QB for Oklahoma. So I think, um, if he's playing and Quinn Ewers is playing for Texas, I expect the Longhorns to get it done. I think they're a lot more well-rounded. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball and throw the ball effectively. And it's, it's a big you know, relief for them that when you're transitioning Ewers back into playing full-time, you have the bell cow in the backfield with Robinson that you can really lean on and get the ball to in, um, you know, different ways. I distinctly remember in the summer, um, I said he was certainly a top three back in the country and you cut me off and said top one. And I said, well, you might be right, but that's to be seen. And he hasn't dropped off any, he is still up there. He he's what we expected him to be. He's a heck of a player. And uh, on defense, Oklahoma has not looked good the last couple of weeks, and I expect Sark to be able to game plan and take advantage of the weaknesses Oklahoma is showing. Now, I think Oklahoma will score some points. I don't expect them to, you know, get, you know, 7, 10, you know, I think this game will be somewhere in the 38 to 24, 30, you know, 38, 27, somewhere. In there. I expect both teams to score a decent amount. Um, I don't know what the over-under is. I, I didn't pay that close attention to the gambling lines. But um, with a healthy UT, I expect them to get it done just because what we've seen from the Sooners' defense in large part, and that's not been good. 
Absolutely. Mike, one of my favorite guests. Glad I got to work with you again. This definitely won't be the last time. Please let them know uh, where they can find you uh, on Twitter and wherever else you put out content. Uh, like Mike Huseman, I'm at Huseman CFB, H-U-E-S-M-A-N-N-C-F-B. Um, you can you know, find me on Twitter's the main spot. I'm um, and then doing some, you know, I've done Locked on Longhorns. Hopefully you can find me on some more Locked on podcasts, but Transfer Portal is, you know, something I really enjoy and following the game. So it was a pleasure to be on with you again, Jonathan. Yes, sir. Red River Week. Get excited as Texas gets ready to knock off Oklahoma on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. Hook them in peace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>